Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Check it out if you're a commercial agent or a managing broker for training that's unbelievable for commercial agents. CommercialAgentSuccess.com. We have an interesting show for you today. We're going to talk about real estate syndications, you know, partnerships that are set up to buy commercial real estate. And they've been around a long time. There's been a lot of changes over the years. Uh, and there's been a lot of changes kind of based on what's what's happened in the world lately. Well, please welcome my guest. It's Gene Trowbridge. He's managing partner with Trowbridge Shadoti. It's a law firm. And Gene actually wrote the book on syndications. Uh, check out his third edition of It's a Whole New Business. Uh, and it's available on Amazon. And, and it has a lot about uh, crowdfunding as well. And Gene's joining us on the phone. Gene, thanks for being with us again. Well, you're welcome. I uh I'm sure all of your interviews are interesting. Thanks for saying that. And, uh, Michael, I, I only wish I could be there uh, this time. Last time, remember, I was in town and we were in the studio and I thought it was great. So, sorry I can't be there. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, for being on the show. And, and Gene, you, you, you wrote the book and, and you have seminars. Your law firm helps people with syndications. And I think it's a very interesting topic in, in the real estate world. Um, how is business today? I don't mean your business per se, but how is syndication world? Or, or is it still happening a lot? Is it still uh, very popular? Extremely popular. Uh, Michael, the reason you syndicate is you don't have enough money to buy all the real estate you want yourself. Mm -hmm. So you've got to pool money from other people. And uh, uh, financing is plentiful but you might have to have 30 or 40% down. Um, so that's another reason, you know, if everyone has, if everyone's a 20% down investor and the bank wants 40, you've got to go out and find yourself a partner, Michael. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of people, <laughs> and a lot of people have done that for years and sometimes they've done it wrong. Sure. Uh, and, you know, we've had the uh, Jobs Act and other things that uh, have kind of allowed uh, you know, a little bit more freedom there. Uh, just as a, a brief recap, you know, what can people do now to raise money that is illegal? I mean, it is legal. <laughs> we don't want to do illegal they, stuff. Yeah, we don't have enough time to talk about the illegal, all the illegal <laughs> that they can do. Right. But just one more comment. Uh, the last figures I have from the SEC are that uh, the private placement market, which is basically what we're talking about, uh, 2018 was uh, 1.8 trillion dollars wow. and uh, that is bigger than the new money raised on Wall Street during that time wow. so it uh, it is um, it's huge it's huge uh, the way you can raise money generally and of that money we're talking about uh, the, the figures I've seen is about 95% of it is raised in something called a Regulation D. And Regulation D has really two parts to it. The, what a lot of people call about the, call the family and friends part, and the other part is the advertising part. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's where it is. If you um, have a list of investors with whom you have a previous relationship, um, you can raise money from them without advertising. Mm -hmm. 
And in that case, you can take sophisticated and accredited investors. The Jobs Act came along and said, you know, we're going to let you advertise, but you can only take accredited investors because they don't know you. They're rich. They're smart. They can ask the right questions. So if you advertise, you're limited to accredited investors. Now, that isn't the most popular method. The most popular method today, Michael, is still where you're doing sophisticated and accredited investors and many experienced syndicators uh, have all the investors they need. They don't want to go through the, uh, the work of advertising and finding new people that they don't know. So the vast majority of offerings that we do are still 506B, friends, family, sophisticated and accredited investors, no advertising. And remind our audience, Gene, if you will, in brevity, the difference between accredited, non-accredited, and then sophisticated. Sure. sure. Well, we can't deal with non-accredited investors at all. Uh, that, that's not it. They either have to be sophisticated, which basically means alone or with some advisor. They're smart enough to figure out the risks and decide if this is a good investment for them. Accredited investors, it's simple dollars and cents. As far as individuals go, Michael, if you have a million dollars of net worth, not counting your primary residence, or you make $200,000 a year if you're filing an individual tax return, or 300 if it's a family filing a joint return, either of those two tests just flat out says you're accredited. We don't have to worry about if you know anything. <laughs> you're just you're just accredited, so you're you're deemed rich and smart. <laughs> the sophisticated investors, we really have to worry about whether they uh, they know what they're what they're doing. So that's uh, that's the breakdown of those two, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, that's that's important. I know I had a, a call one day where a gentleman wanted me to invest uh, five hundred thousand and with me buying a property and, and have his mother invest with me. And uh, and I asked him. I said, "Well, what other investments and uh, holdings does your mother had?" And he said, "That's it. That that's everything." <laughs> and I said, "No, no, no. We're not doing this. Uh, we right. <laughs> diversify that into some." Uh, some safe right. vehicles. Uh, but, uh, you know, now, uh, Gene, a lot of uh, investors have maybe uh, gone into some syndications, maybe as a limited partner or a general partner, and now they're, they're ready to sell, uh, and they're trying to figure out what to do there. What, what are some of the options, and, and, and can, they, can some of them do 1031s? Well, that's quite popular, quite popular today. You can imagine, Michael, if you bought something five or six years ago in this cycle, you've got some gain, you've made some money. So now the question is, how do I move that equity into another property without diluting it with, uh, uh, by paying income taxes? And without a real primer on 1031, the tax deferred exchange, all I'm going to say is the only people who can take advantage of uh, 1031 exchanges are people who have a deed. Their name is on title. And so that's a problem. If you own 30 units in an LLC or you're a limited partner in a limited partnership, you don't, you're not on title. Mm -hmm. The partnership is. Mm -hmm. The LLC is. So 
So to, down to the individual, we're not going to be able to take advantage of 1031 exchanges. But the entity can. Uh, you can you can have an LLC that owns a 50-unit building, and now you want to trade into a 200-unit building. You can do that. That's fine. One deed for another. What happens, though, is in that transaction, you're going to run into an investor who doesn't want to go into the next deal. Maybe they're too old. They don't want another 10-year holding period. Or for some reason, they want some liquidity. So to make this short, how you deal with that, in escrow, when you put the property in escrow, the syndicator needs to know how much money is going to be sent out to the investors who don't want to go into the next deal. And that goes into the escrow account, but all the money that stays with the investors who want to go in the next deal, that goes to the accommodator. And that's in the accommodator's account in the name of the entity, right? So at that point, we're breaking up who wants to get out and who wants to stay in. And if you get out, it's a taxable uh, distribution. And if you stay in, it's a 1031 exchange. All right. Well, that, that's awesome. So that allows a certain group of the investors to, to move on and, and do an exchange. And uh, do, you, uh, do you ever see a partnership that uh, knows they're going to sell and, and some of them maybe do an exchange and some not, that they go ahead and, and, and sell, the, they, they change their title from maybe that original LLC to five or six or ten different LLCs maybe a year or so before they sell? Or is that not something that's done? There is a, well, there is a technique on that mm -hmm. where you um, take the ownership out of the LLC, but you'd have to put it into a tenants in common because they need to have title. So everyone could set up their own little LLC and take title in a tenant in common and with good tax advice, maybe do, um, maybe in a year or so, uh, move forward on their own. That was prevalent a while ago. I don't see much of that anymore because the the um, IRS thinks that a bunch of tenants in common are really a partnership mm -hmm. and partnership interests don't qualify mm -hmm. for an exchange, no matter what you call it. You got 10 people all with tenant in common interests in this apartment building. Who's going to run it? Yeah. You know, everyone has their own deed. So that gets complicated. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that without uh, a, a tax attorney or CPA advising you and that's a little above my uh, above my pay grade but one of the things that is happening in this exchange let's say you have a number of people who who want out and so now you have a smaller number of investors that are staying in you still have to go equal or greater in value to the property and you have to go equal or greater in the loan to qualify for the exchange so you may need a capital infusion. Mm -hmm. So you may have to restructure the LLC to allow you to take in new capital, or here comes an investor with $500,000 who'd like to be the new capital. That investor, she has a deed to real estate. She wants to complete an exchange. Mm -hmm. So you end up with a tenant in common relationship. The lady with her $500,000 is a tenant in common. 
uh, the existing LLC as a tenant in common. Collectively, they qualify for a new loan and buy a big enough property, and away you go. Yeah. That's quite common. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great solution there. And we're going to take a short break. When we get back, I'm going to ask Gene a couple things. One, what if you're a limited partner uh, in a syndication and you're the only one that wants to sell? What are your options? How might that look? And another question I want to ask him is about crowdfunding and what he sees out there in crowdfunding today, especially when it relates to uh, groups of people syndicating for investment. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty. It's my company for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Visit BullRealty.com. Today we're talking about real estate syndications, and my guest is Gene Trowbridge. He's managing partner with Trowbridge Sedoti, and uh, he basically wrote the book on syndications. And uh, the book is called the third edition. It's the whole. It's a whole new business. You can catch it on Amazon. And uh, uh, Gene, before the break, we we talked a lot about various syndications, and and one of the things that has been going on for a while now, and and uh, it, it, everybody thought it was going to be really huge. Uh, it was crowdfunding, and, and it is going on. It is being used some. You know, what are you seeing today in your practice related to how some people are using crowdfunding? When um, the Jobs Act came out, regulation crowdfunding was a part of the Jobs Act. There were a number of things in there, and regulation crowdfunding was a way that, that a syndicator could raise a million dollars online and take. Uh, non-accredited and accredited and sophisticated investors. That has not proven to be very exciting to the real estate market. I'm sure there are markets where if you raised a million dollars, you could, you could buy something. But the rules and regulations about regulation, crowdfunding, and having to use a crowdfunding portal and all that just are are prohibitive. It just, it's expensive. It doesn't work. Um, for what people are uh, buying. However, two years ago, if we were on this radio show, uh, you would have introduced me and put out my email at gene at syndicationlawyers.com. Today, it's gene at crowdfunding lawyers. (laughs) The word crowdfunding has caught hold. Everyone wants to talk about crowdfunding, and basically it's advertising. It's the same as syndication always was, but now with the Jobs Act, there's part of the Regulation D world that lets you advertise, and there's all sort of uh, crowdfunding platforms out there where the companies are um, 
generating databases of accredited investors, and it's like an MLS. If you're qualified, you get your property on there, and they'll they'll promote that property to maybe 15, 20, 30,000 people in their database. We, we call that crowdfunding today. That's just simply syndication under a 506C, but everyone likes the word crowdfunding, and so I, I jumped on it. Yeah, <laughs> might as well. And then you say there's another form of crowdfunding for commercial real estate deals that you do not have to have uh, accredited investors, and, and people can come in kind of relatively small amounts of money, right? Yes. My, uh, my partner, Jillian Sidoti, is making quite a, a market in what's called Regulation A+. And that's, a, uh, that's a, an offering. It's like a mini IPO. You have to go to the SEC and get a permit to sell. And the reason for that is you can take non-accredited investors. Mm -hmm. um, you can take anyone. Generally, the um, suitability standards are a $35,000 net worth and or annual income. And you can advertise. You can take mm -hmm. anyone. And you can, uh, if for real estate it's used for blind pools, I mean, we've done things like racehorses and cannabis and all that, but in real estate it's, it's blind pools. You raise a lot of money from the marketplace, and then you go out and buy, buy, uh, buy properties. So that's, um, that's good regulation A+, plus. not for the faint of heart, quite expensive, Take six months to get it approved, but uh, if you get it and if you can market, one of the things I'm concerned about is what if you get a permit to go out there to sell this, but you don't know who to sell it to. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's great. I got a permit, you know, but where's the market? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. How are you going to get it out? Gone. Not everybody has a, a national commercial real estate show or something, right? Right. Uh, now, see, you'd be the yeah. perfect person for that. Right. You could put together a Reg A+, plus mm -hmm. and come up with a business plan, and then on your radio show, and, and you and I could talk about maybe 20 people in the world who, who have educational groups and shows like this who could do a Reg A+. Plus. You're ideally suited for it. So call me if you want to do it. <laughs> That's right. And, Gene, <laughs> is there a, a limit on how much you can uh, raise uh, with a Reg A+. Plus? million a year okay. and you can put it in a blind pool if you so desire Absolutely. Okay. You, you have to because no seller is going to wait six months for you <laughs> right. while you get your approval you know it has to be a blind pool yeah and that's interesting so some people are doing that so they're getting investors that are coming in with relatively small amounts of money they only have to be worth 35,000 a year I mean 35,000 or 35,000 year income they can go in these blind pools and uh get whatever return the uh, general partner's doing, right? That's true. Well, that's interesting. Well, what do you think the future, Gene, uh, holds for crowdfunding and for, for the syndications? Do you see any changes coming down the pike or, or any issues that people should uh, watch out for? Well, what I think is going to happen is, is the purpose behind the JOBS Act was to promote capital formation so that small companies can get started and run and hire people. Small businesses with, what do they say, less than 500 employees, a lot of those businesses are owned by groups of people. I think that the SEC 
and Congress, it has to really come from Congress, is going to continue to open up money raising. I think that's, that's really a key to the economy, to get all this capital that's out there just sitting there into good ideas and uh, good real estate and good other things. And one of the things we're, we're not going to talk about here, but the, the opportunity zones that are out there, that's just another thing that the government is trying to do to promote capital into places that needs capital. And that was a very short set of rules that they that they promulgated, but I think that they're going to um, expand that too. So I would pay attention in the next couple of years of expanding the ability to raise money. The other side of the coin, you know, the question is, is the bubble over? Mm-hmm. Is financing going to the cost of financing going to go up? Is it going to be harder to get? some of these loans refinance when the value of properties go down. Michael, I'll tell you, I've been in this business a very long time, as you know, and just like a stockbroker, I do a lot of business when the market's bad because all the people who've been holding all their money waiting for that mythical 10 cap rate, you know, pull the money out of their mattress and now they go buy something. And we do a lot of business in this market, so it's always a good business. It's always just pooling money to combine it with whatever institutional financing is available to buy real estate. And real estate all over the world, money comes to the United States to buy real estate. I don't know if you see that changing, Michael, but I'm not sure I do. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, uh, Gene, that you mentioned that because if you look at the economy uh, and the cycle that we've had, you know, since the Jobs Act and since really crowdfunding uh, got popular, we've had a really a great growing market. So, you know, what happens to crowdfunding and what happens to the syndication world when, if we do have a recession, we do have a downturn, you know, and maybe some of these investors got into deals that they go south. Does, uh, does some of it get a bad name? And then if financing is difficult, uh, in some ways, does this become even more popular as a way to fund deals? Well, I've, I've written a lot of offerings in, uh, in, you know, 94 and 95 and 2008 and 2009. I've written a lot of offerings when there's not much uh, financing available. You take what you get and then bring a lot of equity into it. Yeah. So it may be uh, even more popular as a way to, to uh, raise funds and finance projects then. Sure. If the banks are giving you 105%, you don't need to pool a lot of equity. <laughs> That's right. Well, any banks that want to do 105%, please call me. It's Michael Bull at uh, Bull Realty. Well, Gene, uh, it's great to talk to you as usual. If uh, our audience wants to get more information, uh, what's the best website for them to uh, reach out for your, for your book and your other information? Our website is crowdfundinglawyers.net. Crowdfundinglawyers.net. Right. We own crowdfundinglawyers.com. If, if you screw up, it'll get to us also. <laughs> All right, Gene. Great, sir. Thanks for joining us. Look forward to seeing you soon. Well, you're welcome, Michael. It's always fun. Bye. All right. You got the website if you like more information. Uh, Gene has done things like uh, webinars and, 
and classes and groups uh, uh, training and, and his book. So uh, he really is a great authority on all of this. So to do check him out. We're proud to have him on the show. And thank you. We're proud to have you uh, watching or listening to the show. We appreciate you sharing the show and, and commenting on the show. And please do connect with us on your favorite social media. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com.